0: you for the opportunity that you have given us to come into your presence today to offer up praises and worship unto you lord we ask that let our praise and worship be acceptable unto you O god in the name of jesus christ father lord as we go into a time of the word this evening lord we thank you for an outpouring of the spirit of wisdom and revelation Over us in the name of Jesus Christ. That Lord even as your word goes forth today. That people will hear your voice directly in their hearts. Speaking directly into their hearts. Divine instructions that will produce miraculous turnarounds. In people's lives In the name of Jesus Mary said unto the people She had been with Jesus She was the mother of Jesus She said unto them That whatsoever He tells you to do Just do it Because she was speaking out of experience And when they did what Jesus Told them to do They got a miracle Father we thank you Because we will hear the voice of the shepherd Today, telling us what to do, specifically, in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You're welcome. Praise the Lord. Uh, You're welcome once again, uh, this evening, to the House Fellowship. And um, we'll go straight into business uh, because um, of our time hallelujah um, while I was preparing um, today just um, you know, dawned on my spirit that we should quickly go over again the foundation uh, that we laid right at the beginning which was that we were studying on things to do and steps to take in faith on how to receive miracles from God and at the beginning we loosely described the miracle as a reversal of things that appeared to be casting stone or set in stone that are not particularly in our favor hallelujah and um, we spoke a little bit just you know touched a little bit on a few statements um about the situation of esther you know in the book of esther hallelujah but we are going to quickly lay the same foundation again because we Moving on from Thanksgiving uh, to talking about praise, Hallelujah, and uh, we're just gonna go through um, one scriptural passage, you know, just to, you know, refresh us again and to reinforce um, our heritage in Christ Jesus, which is that when Jesus hung there on the cross, it was for a reason. When things happened around that place, all those things were for a reason. Then also, I was um, going to mention as well that we will be using quite a lot of scriptures from the Old Testament. And the reason why we're doing that is that we are um, studying these things as what we call "types and shadows." So it means that when we look at something in the Old Testament, we didn't describe it as a type of something. That is already in the New Testament. And that was how we treated Thanksgiving. When we said that you need to go to the altar. Where God had blessed you in the beginning. So for the Old Testament guys. It was a physical altar. For the New Testament people. It was your memory. Of the things that God had done. In your past. Hallelujah. And so I just wanted to. Uh, refresh our memories on that now let's turn our Bibles very quickly to Matthew chapter 27 Matthew chapter 27 I'll read from verse 50 and um, this was at the point where Jesus was already hanging on the cross hallelujah and um, you need to realize that when we read uh, when we read this kind of passage we already have a knowledge. We already have an inkling that this was why Jesus was hanging on the cross. To die for my sins and to die for your sins. But the people who were carrying out that operation at that time had no inkling of what we are talking about now. They believed that they were actually punishing someone who had offended. Hallelujah so they were doing this thinking that they were acting for God that look this is the punishment of God that we are putting on this man for the heresies and the blasphemies that he has been spreading all over the place so that was their belief even though Jesus had spoken in parables in so many points to his disciples that this is exactly why I came you will say things like uh, this temple is going to be destroyed and rebuilt in three days but still they didn't get it because if they got it they would have understood the purpose for which it was hanging on the cross at the time that it was hanging on the cross and another proof that they didn't get it was that Peter took the sword to attack somebody when they came to arrest Jesus And Jesus put the guy's hair back. He sellotaped it back to his head. And let Peter know that all these things are part of a prophetic agenda. That you are not aware of. Hallelujah. So with that background that I've just described to you. If it's possible for you to just pretend as though you didn't know it. And then we'll read the scripture as neutrals. So let's read. Jesus when he had cried again with a loud voice yielded up the ghost and behold you see he had died and we are all there we really thought that we were punishing a typical robber or a typical blasphemer and just at the point that he died something happened that was strange and we are going to see that in verse 51 and behold The veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. So this was a supernatural operation. It wasn't anyone that took a scissors and ripped it off. It was something supernatural. He says the veil was rent in twain from top to the bottom and then the earth did quake. So there was an earthquake. You could hear it. Boom, 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 boom. And then it says the rocks rent. And the graves were opened. Now that is unprecedented. People that had been buried. And the people have gone to sing service and songs of service for them. And they've said rest in peace. And after we've said rest in peace to them. We've walked away. And there is no imagination at all that we abhor in our hearts that we will ever see those people alive again. Because at the point you've, at which you've buried the person, you've said your final goodbye to the person on planet earth. But see what happened here. The Bible says that the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of his grave or out of the graves after his resurrection. So we see that that event was actually tied to the resurrection of Jesus, that as Jesus rose from the dead, these other guys too, they rose from their graves. They came out of their graves. And the Bible says that they went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now, when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. So it meant that they didn't believe it before. They never appreciated it before. But after all these events, they then said, Truly, this was the Son of God. But we are going to zero in on something very quickly as we progress. He said that the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. Now, what was the purpose of the veil? The veil was like a barrier that stood between us and the inner presence of God and that place was restricted you could only in fact you could not go there but only the high priest could go there not just any day that he liked but he could only go there once in a year and there were things that he ought to do whenever he went in there for that ceremony and when he went in there, they would tie a rope around him. And they would also attach bells to his garment. So when he's doing stuff there, as in, you know, the sacrifices and all sorts, is inside, the, inside that place, nobody can see him. But when he stops moving, as in, if he drops dead because he did the wrong thing, you were not even allowed to go fetch him. You would have to use that rope to pull him out of that place. That was how restricted that place was. But then you now ask yourself, what exactly was the purpose? Fair enough, if we say that the place was restricted, we are not allowed to go, and then on top of it, if you even misadventure into the place, or if they misadventured into the place in those days, then they will die. So what attraction does the place really hold for me? Why do I want to go there in the first place when I know that the place is risky? You get, why? of what use and of what benefit is it to me? Why do I even have to think of the place? The high priest went in there because that was the place where certain transactions could be carried out. Carried out. On behalf of the nation of Israel on an annual basis but then (coughs) this was under the first covenant the old covenant where everything was all about sin and sin consciousness but you see something also that was not really known to the Old Testament people was attached to that place And that is what we are going to see. We are going to see its type and its shadow in the Old Testament. You know when the Bible says that the law was a shadow of things to come and not the very image. So it means that when you are reading the law, you are looking at a shadow of the real object. Now if you stand outside and the sun is shining and you see, let's say someone is walking across the road and you didn't really look up to see the person, and you are only just looking on the ground, what are you going to see? A shadow. But that shadow does not immediately or does not accurately describe the true form of the person that is walking across. When you look at the shadow, it doesn't accurately describe that person's true form. So it means that you now need an insight you now need to be very good in recognition pattern because there is a kind of shadow that can make someone a lot taller than what he really is or make his head look four times as big you know as his real head in real life and that is what we are studying it means that when you read it, it with you know just ordinary eyes it is not immediately obvious to you what the real object is. That's why we call it types and shadows. That when you read something in the Old Testament, it is a type and a shadow of something else that is tangible in the New Testament. Hallelujah. So that's why we want to study, quickly look at a type and a shadow that tells us or gives us an idea of what the benefit is for us to be a partaker of some of those things that are behind that curtain. First of all, let's realize that the death of Jesus Christ caused that curtain to be done. Which means that we now have access into that place that was formerly restricted. But like I said earlier, the thought I raised earlier, why do we have to go there? Of what use is it to us? In fact, the mere fact that it's even a scary place to go under the old covenant. Why do we even want to know more about the place? And of what use is it to us? That's what we're going to quickly see in Types and Shadows. In the book of Esther, which um I won't really read all the, all the verses because of our time. But if you are familiar with that story, you immediately understand what I am talking about. But if you are not, when you get home, just read through it. But I am going to mention a, a couple of the things. Now, Haman went to the king. And what he did was he obtained a judgment. He obtained a decree from the king against the children of Israel, against the Jews. And the way they operate then was that when he got that decree, the king um, certified that decree by relinquishing his ring and gave it to him. It meant that it was irreversible. It meant that you can't change it anymore. You can't come tomorrow now and say that, Oh, it was a mistake. It shouldn't have been done. It's too late. That was how they operated in those days. So, it wasn't anything that could be reversed. But you see, Esther was a Jew, but the king did not know that she was a Jew. The king didn't know that she was a Jew. Mordecai also was a Jew, but you know an elder relative of Esther, who was like guiding Esther. So you see, Mordecai was like a type of the Holy Spirit who is with us, who is is God himself, but guiding us on the earth. And Haman was a type of the enemy who had come to assault us. And tamper with our welfare. And the king really was a type of God who had absolute authority in that domain. But then when Mordecai realized that there is trouble coming for the children of Israel. For the Jews. He sent a messenger to Esther. And told Esther that look. For you, for us to avert this situation, for us to reverse what Haman has already put into motion, you will need to go into the inner presence of the king to hold a conversation with him and demand that what Haman had set into motion should be reversed. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And then Esther said unto, uh, sent a word back unto Mordecai that look, there is no way I can go in there. Because if you go in there uninvited, you die. But Mordecai understood that the only way possible on earth for that immense decree to be turned around was for Esther to make her way into that place that was restricted to hold a conversation with the king. So Esther now said, look, the way it goes is that if they don't invite you and you come in, you die. So the presence of the king there was a type of the holiest of all, which was restricted from people. So Esther now said to Mordecai that now that you are asking me to violate protocol and go in there I need all of you to get into a time of fasting and prayer with me so that after that time of fasting and prayer I will then go in there and speak to the king on behalf of my people. Hallelujah. And you see the key I'll repeat again, to reversing what Haman had done was going into that place to hold a conversation with the king. Hallelujah! And that is why that is the whole foundation of what we are discussing here, which is that there are things that the enemy has put into motion, that when you look at them, the very way in which they are constituted you begin to get, you begin to have a feeling that these things are so cast in stone that it could be that they have the backing of the king. Because when Haman was spreading those things, he, he publicized it that I have the backing of the king. But those things were gotten in the outside, the outer court. So the inner place is a type of your spirit where you are holding transactions with God. The outer place is the outward circumstances, the things that the enemy is doing on the outside, the lying vanities, the doctor's report. You know when the doctor when there is a report that comes saying, "Oh, look, you have only five days to live." That is a doctor's report but what we are sharing here is that there is a place that you can go to go and demand a reversal of what has been decreed on the outside because the doctor gave you a piece of paper and that was the judgment he said look in five days time you're gone but then you take that paper and say no and then you now go into the inner place that that Aman did not have access to to go and demand that what Haman has told you about that is cast in stone must be reversed. Hallelujah. Amen. And that is where that is the whole essence of us having access to what is behind the veil so Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us signified that that place that Esther went into to demand for a reversal of something that your mind cannot comprehend on how it can change is now open to us hallelujah that that place is now open to us So what I want you to begin to do is begin to stretch out your imagination. That it does not matter what that situation is. Today, you now have access to a place. And that place is called the holiest of all. The Bible says that now having boldness to enter into the holiest of all by the blood. So when you enter, you have not come there to play. You have come there to demand for certain things to happen That will reflect on the outside And that was signified when that veil was rent into twain Resurrection power went into the graves Of people we thought we will never see again in our lives And they came out of the graves So it meant that the things that you thought Will never happen in your life again Will happen as a result of that resurrection power. As a result of you being able to go within that veil. To hold certain transactions with God. There was a transaction. Esther said, If I find favor in thy sight. And the king said, Even up to the half of my kingdom and we know that god has given us the kingdom said it is your fathers who what good pleasure to give you the kingdom so god has already given you the kingdom and kingdom means kingdom dominion it means that you now are in charge so Our prayers now will be easier to pray. Because when you are coming to pray, you know now that resurrection power is what you are dealing with. To change whatever the enemy has cast in stone outside you. Jesus knew about it all his life. That was why he got to Lazarus tomb. And said roll away the stone. They said no. He is dead four days now. And he is now stinking. So what they were saying. That it is too late. For resurrection power. To be able to affect this situation. And Jesus knew. That these people were familiar to him. So when Lazarus was about to die. He avoided the place. So he waited. For their minds to be in a state where it was settled in their minds that there is nothing that can ever be done to change this situation again. That was when Jesus showed up. If there are things that you depend on, because they knew Jesus in the flesh, they were familiar with him, so they thought that if Jesus came. Be, just before he died, he will raise him from the. Uh, he will heal him. If Jesus came when he was still dead, fresh, fresh, mm. he will he, he will raise him from the dead. Mm. Some of you know. Some of you are familiar, and some of you also depend on the flesh. So it means that the things that you depend on in the flesh, God will wait for all of them to fizzle out mm. before He turns up. Mm. Resurrection power will wait for all your hope to dry up i'll give you an example you are looking for work now we i you know inside you that as you prayed you had already targeted those three people that you knew that if i go i know that out of these three people if i go to a b and c they will find something for me but then you still brought out the scripture and you prayed before you left the house. You know what will happen before resurrection power can hit you? When you get to Mr. A, it won't work. When you get to Mr. B, it won't work. When you get to Mr. C, it won't work. Then you now see that all your options are burnt out. That is when resurrection power can then kick in. That is the point where you are dead. Dead means that there is no hope again. You know they said there is only hope for the living. So when there is no hope again, it means that you are now passing through death into resurrection. That is the point where resurrection power can then come to you. So they got to that point where they had they couldn't rely on any crutch again. That was when Jesus turned up. Hallelujah. So we're and this is true Christianity. True Christianity is you being able to go into that place that is open to all of us now, the very presence of God, and begin to transact with God such that your outward situations that appear cast in stone, because that decree was cast in stone, will be able to change. Hallelujah. So what Esther did was that she went into the presence of the king and got everything that Haman did reversed. So it means that that holiest of all is a place of total reversal. It's a place where you reverse the judgment that Haman has obtained against you. Hallelujah. And Mordecai said to Esther, he said that think not that if you don't go, think not that deliverance and enlargement shall not arise from another place. So it means that her going there and getting the job done meant that deliverance and enlargement came to the Jews. So deliverance will come to you. Enlargement will come to you by you going into the holiest of all to obtain a reversal Of what Haman is doing. On the outside. And on the very day. The same gallows. That Haman constructed for Mordecai. Was the same gallows on which he was hung. Hallelujah. They took the ring off his hand. Before they hung him. And that ring was what was now used. To obtain another decree. To reverse what Haman did. And that is what we call a miracle which is that this thing is cast in stone there is no hope that this thing will change or bulge and then you go into the holiest of all you go within the veil to do business with God so what we have been discussing is the contents of that business how do we do that business so, what we are, we've, we've already touched on thanksgiving, which is a part of that business. And then again, remember, when the graves opened and those people came out, what did those people do? They said they appeared unto many. So, it means that what we are talking about is not something that, they, when the result comes, is not something that is internal to you alone. Men shall see it. No, You imagine if you were living in those days and let's say you had an uncle or maybe like a granddad who died around that time and had been buried. You attended the man's burial just say like two years before Jesus was crucified. And then Jesus died. Gave up the ghost on the cross. And then the next thing you see Your grandfather came to knock on the door. (laughs) Hello. I came to say hello to you. Now, that is unthinkable. That is exactly what happened. Which is a type of something that it is humanly impossible to achieve. Under what religion will people, not one person, people, walk out of their graves how did they even get out of the graves because when they die we put concrete over them so how, where did they even pass through to get out of the graves and now go in a recognizable way to their relatives this is to show you how total and how absolute the power of God is and that resurrection power that because these things to happen is actually on the inside of you. That is what you are carrying about. So you are actually carrying something that is more powerful than an atomic bomb inside your heart. Something that can change the world around you. Hallelujah. Amen. And all this happened because access had now been granted unto us to go inside and begin to effect a reversal with God about what is happening on the outside. Hallelujah.